Open Paddock Rallycast, presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode 81, Reflections from the Oregon Trail Rally. Lamenting the cancellation of the event, I called up some of the organizers to talk about Oregon Trail Rally in the past. In this episode, we feature Chairman Doug Herodas, Clerk of the Course Rebecca Rustin, Volunteer and Competitor Dylan Hooker, and Driver of the Zero Car from Team Fagawi, Lee Sorensen. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. Hello, I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and I recorded this episode a couple weeks ago when we were all just stuck at home and uh, not out on the stages as we normally would uh, for the Oregon Trail Rally. This was the uh, last week of May, and it really hit hard that week. Um, not only did the U.S. crest that 100,000 mark for uh, deaths that we've had to this coronavirus thing, and I don't know, the, the kind of isolation started to set in, too. Um, I don't know, I've been just feeling really tired lately, and motivation waned and that's partially the reason why this episode took a couple weeks for me to get it published yeah kind of kind of my own fault but also been working more at home I don't know for you folks out there that are working from home like me um, if you are lucky to still be working which I hope you are uh, I've been working extra hours um, you know my, my wife she works at graveyard tiff she'll leave like at five before I'm done and I'll just kind of be working on it just got to finish that one last thing and it's hard for me to tear away from the computer and and uh i guess move on to other things by the time i have dinner and maybe watch a little bit of the news i'm just crashing and so uh i need to get myself to break away i think i think we all need to and uh, rallying kind of did that for me automatically but uh you know i gotta make sure that i force myself to do that and uh obviously doing these podcasts really helps um I just kind of hit a little bit of a low point, but you know, it's time to get things back on the positive. You know, there's some positive news that we've had in the last two weeks since this uh, uh, was recorded. Um, What the ARA released their schedule um, that's updated with Southern Ohio Forest Rally kicking things off next month uh, with a one-day event. And our sponsors, Oz Rally Pro, they've resumed doing some uh, on-site trainings in addition to their online courses, so that's really cool. And the most recent la- rally w- happened, actually, in the world, uh, in Sweden. It was called Rally Lockdown. I don't know if any of you guys uh, caught that, but uh, it was a sprint rally, and it was won by uh, last year's Super Motorsports USA driver, uh, Oliver Solberg, with none other than his mom, Pernilla, as co-driver. So that, that was a fun thing to watch. Uh, there were highlights on WRC+, Plus, which is kind of fun, uh, to at least watch something that was recent. Um, I mean, I love all the reflections on the past and whatnot, which is what we're doing here. But uh, also, we want to see stuff uh, that that's that's going on right now. Um, I'm also a big fan of IndyCar, and they started off their season as well uh, a week ago. They were at Texas Motor Speedway. Got to watch that, and you know, like I said, some sense of normalcy coming back. But uh, you know, more than anything, I want to make sure that when we get back to this normal, that uh, you know, everybody's safe. That's going to be the most important thing. But uh, anyhow, that said. You won't hear from my uh, normal co-presenter, Ian Holmes, on this one. I kind of threw it together last minute. I called up uh, those organizers to uh, to do this little um, recording. And uh, Ian, uh, you know, he was busy and, you know, it was later in the evening for his time zone and it uh, didn't work out. But we'll have next episode with Ian. Uh, I think maybe we'll just talk about there's been a lot going on now. Uh, things are starting to ramp up. And so we'll have to maybe just bring up a bunch of news points and just uh, chit chat. And maybe that'll be in the next episode. Anyways, enough about me. Let's uh, move on with this latest episode where we look back on the Oregon Trail Rally. Go. Five right short over crest into second small crest. 40. Full F plus nips. 
Hi, this is Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, Advanced Rally Training. Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. Well, hello and welcome back to the Rallycast. As I said in our intro, we are doing a little bit of remembrance for the Oregon Trail Rally because, well, <laughs> normally we'd be out at the stages right now. And uh, we're all at home and uh, remembering of Oregon Trail Rally's past. And I've got with us this evening Doug Herodas, our chairman of the Oregon Trail Rally. Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you. And we've got Rebecca Rustin, our cl clerk of the course. How you doing, Rebecca? Good. Hi, Mike. Nice to have you on. And Dylan Hooker, who's been a competitor. He's been a, uh, you've been advanced. You've done all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I've, I've kind of co-chaired the event. I've competed in it. I've volunteered at it. I've spectated at it. It's one of my favorites. Well, obviously being a home rally for me and really what kind of got my addiction going. Uh, <laughs> I'm obviously a big fan, but the important part when starting these rally podcasts is what are we drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Because I have to say, I'm starting off here um, pouring into my Oregon Trail Rally um, pint glass that I got here because I thought that, that was one of the coolest that. trophies that uh, we handed out. Uh, it was very, very popular that year. And we did Good for idea. a couple of years, actually. Yeah. So uh, consuming some 10-barrel uh, pub beer lager, something a little bit lighter because it was warmer this week, but that all changed today. But uh, that's what I'm enjoying this evening. What about everybody else? I've got a Widmer Hefeweizen in my Oregon Trail mug. Well played, well played. Uh, block 15, Gloria, which is their Pilsner. Nice, we're all doing something a little more. Oregon Trail Uzi as well, isn't it? It, it is. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, God, I'm the only one who doesn't have an Oregon Trail themed drinking accoutrement. <laughs> uh, it's a 2017 uh, Syrah from Mystic. I was pondering going for a Mary Hill wine, uh, which I do have uh, sitting in the cabinet, mm. but because uh, that would have been also today, uh, being Saturday, that uh, would have been part of that uh, little hill climb stage that we do. And oh man, memories of that already too. Ah, uh, uh, Mary Hill. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. So uh, I kind of want to start off with, I guess, some memories of uh, first of all when each of us got started with uh, Oregon Trail Rally. I'll kind of start with myself. Uh, I first spectated in 2010. Uh, just went out and uh, went to PIR when I found out about this thing being in my backyard. And I'm like, what? what? What Rallying? Is it just in Europe, huh? <laughs> mm -hmm. And went out there and saw Ken Block and, you know, a couple others, I think, were out there that year. And uh, I, I was just amazed at uh, what you, how, how close you could get, it felt like. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're still a safe distance, but um, it just... I've never seen cars rip roaring through gravel like that before, and uh, definitely hooked me. The next year, uh, spectated a little bit more, and that's when a uh, Marshall volunteer came up and said, hey, you want to get closer to the action, start volunteering yourself, and kind of went all downhill from there. First hit's <laughs> always free. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, some good memories uh, going along there. But that's how I got started. Uh, 2010, spectated, and then volunteered pretty much from then on. So I need help from you guys to know which year was my first year actually racing it. Uh, it was the last year in Vernonia. 2008. 
Okay, perfect. And I think if I have all my memories connected correctly, it was super hot that year. And there was, uh, among other carnage, there was a car fire, some sort of electrical fire or something. Was that all 2008 or am I blending years together? I wasn't out on stages in 2008. I was... uh coordinating service and that i mean the only highlight i have from that year was um running down one of tanner faust guys on Kristen tabor's bicycle because uh, he was out drifting around the the track behind the school in the in the gravel uh running track there and i was trying to get him to stop and ass over tea kettle off the bike and bent Kristen's bike and <laughs> <laughs> oops yeah and you're no longer allowed to borrow a bike from Kristen tabor i am no longer allowed to buy borrow any, any of Kristen's bikes that is correct I think two thousand. I can't remember if it was oh eight, but that may have been the year that we had like some heat stroke going on. Now that That's there were people in this area suffering from heat stroke. I do remember it was warm. I don't know about the car fire. So Rebecca, that was your first event, first Oregon Trail ever. Uh, first Oregon Trail competing, and I'm trying to remember. I must have volunteered at Oregon Trail before that, but maybe not. It, there's no guarantee. <laughs> Um, I definitely spectated, but I'm not sure when I actually started volunteering at Oregon Trail either. I know my first spectating at Oregon Trail was 2004, um, nice. which was, I mean, both a good and a bad event. Uh, mm-hmm. Level Freeman crash. Uh, I got some really great photos from, from the first stage that I went to, but then, yeah, the rally kind of took a turn. First competing was 2007, uh, which is why I know exactly what year we we last were in Vernonia because it was the year before. Right. Because I worked yeah. service uh, coordinator the year after. Yeah, I had to go back and look it up because I um, remembered watching, uh, I know it was the 99 to 2000 New Year's Eve um, Speed Vision WRC Marathon. I remember watching that, you know, got up early, started watching it, was just completely amazed. Uh, you know, like, are these real cars? You know, are they... You know, just all the newbie questions, and then figured out that we had an that we had a rally nearby, and so it was. Uh, and and then the way I figured out which was the first event is because I know I saw Andrew Havis there, and so I had to go look just before oh, wow. uh, just before the um, the call and look it up, and it and it was two thousand was the last time that Havis competed in the Orange RX seven, uh, and I also remembered it because um, there was a hun- there were Hyundai's there. And the Hyundai's yes. uh, haven't run in, 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 I think they did run after 2000, but I distinctly remember two, two scenes. One was near the blimp hangar out in uh, Tillamook, um, which there was a kind of a little special stage run around there. And I remember seeing the bottom of Havis's car because it was bouncing off of some ruts um, and thinking, you know, how can these cars possibly take this abuse? This is crazy. Like that car is going to be DNF soon, right? No, he finished. And then a little later that day, um, going out into the woods, like along a real stage, and maybe it was getting to be near dusk or something, I could, you know, I could hear in the distance, you know, the, the, the old turbo blow-off valves that used to really squeak, you know, beep, 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 you know, and you hear that <laughs> coming through the woods, and I was thinking, what the hell is that? I mean, what is that? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. I mean, I, was, I, I was, didn't know anything about rally cars, turbo cars, or anything. And then when it finally came into view, um, and it was all sideways and crazy, and uh, you know we could get a little closer to the stages back then, and I'm pretty sure it was Schwanier that went by, and just pummeled me with rocks. I mean, I got <laughs> hammered, I got welts on my legs, and I uh, got hit in the face, and it was so cool. 
2000. That was my first Oregon Trail as a spectator. And so, so Dylan, you said uh, your your first one for spectating was what what year again? 2004. 2004. Okay, so my yeah, uh, my so. dad came up from. I just moved up to Portland uh, that year for college, and my dad come up uh, and decided we were going to go off. And I, I was really excited about rally. I'd always wanted to rally. You know, I, I loved the the. I forget what the name of the game was on N64, but you got like like Sega Rally. You used to have the arcade machine over at Tilt. You used to go play that all the time. Loved rally. Watched all the the WRC videos I could download off of uh kazaa <laughs> and uh, uh so yeah when i found out there was a rally nearby um i was dad we're going to this rally and so i didn't have a car at the time he came up and from from down in humboldt and we drove off into the tillamook forest and watched rally cars go by so having you know both uh, spectated and uh competed in the tillamook area you know we, we moved you know again like you said after that after 2008 we moved uh eastward from there but uh tell us what what the event was like in there what the roads were like what made it different from what we have today i mean i don't want to say anything disparaging um the roads out there were phenomenal i i love them i miss them i wish we could get back out there i'm trying to figure out avenues to maybe make that happen but like music road and some of other complexes out there there was so much elevation change there they were narrow they were twisty you know i there it's it's hard to recreate that and I yeah. think that that was what really made Oregon Trail special initially was the roads we had. Now well, we have a whole, you know, series of things. It's a it's a it's a show now. Where it, I think before right. it was more of just a competition, less show. Um, I did really enjoy the stuff we did at Hillsborough Stadium, the little super, mm. micro super specials, or the one we did at Washington County Fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. Water splash. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest difference with the Vernonia roads though, was the crown. Because the, the right. roads so much for us have a major crown. It's there for drainage, but uh, when you're going around a corner in a rally car, of course, you can use the, the inside of the crown to ditch hook a little bit. And um, the reason I remember that so distinctly is because my, my first uh, Oregon Trail as a competitor was 03 in the RX-7. And um, in 2005, so we were pretty slow for a couple of years. In 2005, we started to get a little faster. And the... RX-7 is a pretty narrow track car, yeah. um, and so we were doing, I'm going to say it was 100 miles an hour. It might have been 70. I don't really know. It was really fast <laughs> for that car on a pretty straight section of road, but that was still really crowned, and eventually the car couldn't decide which side of the crown it wanted to be on. We are going in a straight line. The rear end is dipping off to the right side of the crown, and then to the left side of the crown, and then the right side of the crown, and it scared the living crap out of me, um, and that was my last uh, Oregon Trail in the in the RX-7 because of that. I mean, that's actually why I became an organizer is because I decided not to race Oregon Trail again in the RX-7 on those crowned roads um, because it just wasn't, the car wasn't, it, I wasn't good enough to drive it on those roads. It scared me. And so uh, that's, you know, I decided to help organize in, uh, beginning in 2006. Yeah, I think that that crown caught a lot of people out. I mean, for sure, I the year that I raced it, I saw so much carnage. And I have heard other, you know, so many other people say what you said, Dylan, about how great it was. But then also just that crown is so challenging and it just it adds this uh, dynamic to keeping your car where you want it on the road. That is so tough sometimes. So they were very technical stages. And that's what I liked about them. You really had to work yeah. for speed. Yeah, narrow. I mean, those trees were no joke. Um, lots of elevation, lots of exposure. 
I yeah, I thought um, I thought they were the best roads ever. I mean, I only had seen a couple rallies by then, but I yeah, I I loved that and still do wish we could get back in Tillamook Forest or roads that are technical like that again. So 2008, what what car were you in, Rebecca? Oh, my old Audi. So um, that car was so slow and so heavy that it really was always just a challenge to try to keep the momentum. You just try to not slow down if you can possibly help it at all. But also, you know, it did a pretty good job of staying on the road as long as you were pointing the right direction. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, you know, it felt like a tank. I wasn't um, as concerned as I certainly would have been. And like Doug's RX-7 felt much more... Um, maybe uh unstable <laughs> compared to uh, my audi <laughs> pushing from behind versus pulling from the front makes a big difference on those roads <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure and dylan what were you in uh, i was in the geo the the tabers geo metro and that was a car that uh you didn't break ever. And I remember there was one stage that starts on an uphill and I couldn't get out of first gear and put it in second that it would bog and slow down. <laughs> I had to just alternate between floating the valves in first and bogging in second, knowing that Scott Kovalik was starting behind me for, I, for <laughs> oh, some geez. reason they, they penalized him. They moved him to the back of the field and I wanted him ahead of me, but they made him start behind me. And yeah, it, that was, that was an exciting hill climb. Uh, knowing that you're about to get run over by someone way, way faster than you. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I bet. Gosh, that's the car that just—it just always ran. It didn't always run very well, but it always ran, right? I, I think it got dynoed once. I think it put out forty-seven horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, what I remember. It was a great starter car. It was. It was so much fun to drive, just because it was so light. It carried inertia so well. You just kept your right foot down and just—you know—I—I I hadn't really figured out left foot braking. I was pulling a handbrake, but it was so much fun to drive. Wow. I kind of want to go back to one now. What? I think a lot of people, uh, you know, as they've you know gained experience and age and whatnot, I, I've heard this quite a bit where uh, folks want to get back to some little two-wheel drive, uh, little car that uh, that the momentum driving, as you're saying, uh, versus I want a, I want a front-wheel drive Toyota. I want, I want a little <laughs> front-wheel drive Toyota. That sounds like so much fun. Hmm. Or a Honda. I could I could I could uh, you know do a, a Gila Wiles Honda. That'd be fun. <laughs> there you go. Cheap. So uh, tell us, uh, I guess, memories from other competitors that you remember, uh, some stories from those days in the Tillamook Forest era, because, uh, again, that was before me. Um, I, I don't really have anything to say about that, and it was a little late I've in got, coming. So. I've got a favorite story. I don't remember uh, which year. I'm going to say 2004. That might not be the right year, partly because I saw this happen, and I was competing in 2004, so it could have been a little bit later. Anyway, um, it's Doug Shepard in the SRT4, and Doug tore off of the right rear corner of the car. I mean, wheel, suspension, brakes, control arms, everything, uh, hit something and tore those off. And he drove two stages and then into service that way. And I guess he, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he still won group five. And of course, they had everything, you know, back in service <laughs> to fix the car, and so he could continue but, I mean, I thought that was remarkable. To me, that defined rally, you know, the, the press on regardless. And, I mean, he was still incredibly fast like that, too. You know, it was like, well, <laughs> car's a little lighter, I guess, but you're also <laughs> missing the whole corner. So 
Um, yeah, was, that's one of my favorite stories of, of Vernonia Days Oregon Trail, for sure. I remember Evan Klein doing that. That was not Vernonia Days. It was much, you know, a few years later. But I remember him finishing the rally with a whole corner of the car missing, just dragging it in. I couldn't say what year that was, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, he finished the rally, and I agree, it's it's so much a part of rally that you find a way to get that car to the end, no matter what, if you possibly can. The one thing I remember from trail that we used to do out in the, the coast range that we don't do now, we moved service in the middle of the day. Like, your <sighs> service crew had to go set up service, you'd come in, you'd do one service, pack everything up, haul it way out in the forest. It wasn't like what we did at... Uh, at Oregon Trail last year, we had, you know, the remote tire change where it was just a tire change. That was it. Right. In and out. Full so service. Was, this was full service. And, and like, I remember in 2008 having to go set up service area there, too, and haul all the stuff out. And God, that was, I mean, it was it was really cool, but it also sucked. So challenging. I mean, that's so tough for, you know, a small team or. You know, anybody that's new to rally that doesn't get all the logistics and yeah. doesn't read everything in the schedule. No. I mean, that is I mean, our, I tell people that our event is just super challenging for logistics and planning and, and all these things. But, man, I can't even imagine making people move service in the middle of the day. Yeah, where, uh, Dylan, help me remember. I know service was at the Vernonia High School uh, part of the time. Uh, where were the other service locations? I'm having this trouble one- right now. This would have been in five or six, I think, because it was years that I was still servicing for the Tabers before they let me drive the Geo. Um, and I th- it was out somewhere in the Trask Forest. I remember there was some place that had burgers. Uh, God, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't even remember where it was. I just remember it was out in the Tillamook Forest. Like, we had to drive down Highway 6 for a ways, um, uh, set yes. up out there. And yes. I, I cannot remember the name of that town, but I remember they had, like, a little general store that served burgers and hot dogs and... Um. I remember that now, yeah. I think that was 2005, because that was the year... Yeah, that was five, because that was the year that I left my MR2 at the stadium, and when we came back Saturday night, my car was locked in, and I couldn't oh. get home. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, again, those I, logistics things. <laughs> I got dropped off at the stadium, and then the car that gave me a ride from Vernonia took off, and I like, oh, crap, the gate's locked. So I got to walk to the Max, take the Max all the way down town because I was still living like downtown, downtown Portland at this time, and then get up at three o'clock in the morning, get on the Max, go all the way back out, and have somebody pick me up again. I, I have some other fun memories of uh, Vernonia service area in particular, um, and I can't remember what years, but you know these were the first years that uh, Pastrana and Block were running Subarus. Um, they were they were at Oregon Trail those years, like maybe around oh four, oh five. And and just uh, to explain, in Vernonia, you're talking about this was uh, did they it started out at the school right or something like that up in the service uh, in area the town yeah, the of Vernonia. Yeah, that's right. The high school was used for service, and yeah. and, and that's about and what so, about twenty miles, twenty five miles from Portland. That's about right. West as the crow flies, as yeah. the crow flies, but the drive is more like forty something miles. Yeah, right. it's out there a ways. Um, but uh, th- you know, those were the first. I mean, those were really the first. Uh, days that Vermont sports cars started bringing a really big team with Pastrana and Block and then a couple of years later with Mira. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I distinctly remember standing at uh, service out talking to Mira for a few minutes, you know, while he was waiting for his 
for his minute. Uh, that was that was really fun. Uh, that's a great memory. Um, but you know, I mean, I think that was a really exciting time for a lot of people to have Pastrana and Block and the sport and to have those beautiful Vermont sports car cars there. You know, super well prepared and a big team with big trucks and you know, I mean, everything that they brought along was was really cool. Those are they some, brought the some, hype. Yeah, they did. Yeah. The one that I was just thinking of, just when we're talking about, you know, work, some of the, the higher profile names, I remember um, it was one of the years, God, I can't even, I can't place this year either. It must have been like 11 or 12. Um, we did finish, like final MTC was at the fairgrounds in, uh, what is that, Odell there? Mm-hmm. And I just remember that one was a pretty tight transit between like final stage and getting there. I guess we didn't give them a whole lot of time. And Ken got delayed. And I just remember having this argument with Alex Gelsomino about you showed up. It's after the minute. I can't I can't give you the previous minute. You showed up three seconds late. Like, I can't. I can't. And then having to get JB to come over and, you know, lots yeah. of arm waving. And uh, I had cars queuing up, so I went back to it and let him yell at, at JB for a while. But if you wanted to make him quiet, just tie his hands. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that I'm partially Italian. <laughs> Hadn't thought of that, but he had a root book in one hand. I was staying out of his way. Who who else did we see in the Vernonia days? Um, like Pinker and Faust. Remember they had the oh, rock yeah. star mm-hmm. yeah. team. That was. Uh, I mean, I think they were on a much lower budget than Vermont Sports Car, but very competitive with those guys. Uh, that was pretty exciting. Pat Richard uh, won the championship in those years too, right? Oh four, I think. The days when the Group N cars were. At the top of the heap. I still miss mm-hmm. Group N. I, I liked production class racing. It's not as exciting. It doesn't draw the crowds. But I liked it from a competition perspective. Really limiting. You don't have, you know, $200,000, $300,000 cars. Yeah, I mean, that's... It, it's been an ongoing conversation that we've had on this podcast for uh, for years. Is the, the spectacle thing versus the competition thing. Um, it The spectacle draws in a crowd kind of thing. And, and it's kind of cool. But... You sacrifice some competition because very few are going to be able to afford those top-end cars. But, man, what they can do just to see it is fantastic. Um, but you don't have to go much slower, and you still get some great action and uh, can make cars more affordable. But, yeah, it, it's always that kind of tug-of-war, it seems, though, between uh, between those aspects of the sport. But um, So, you know, uh, you know, we had, we had those days out there, Vernonia, the Tillamook Forest, tight, twisty stuff. And um, that was that was actually relatively, I don't know, middle aged for Oregon Trail, considering how it originally started. Uh, I believe in yeah. the '60s with Nick Moore, and then you, you know resurging again in the '80s. Uh, I that's before my time. I don't have a whole lot of that history memorized, but I know that that Oregon Trail has been a on and off again rally for a, quite a long time, and it sort of disappeared for a while and then came back pretty strong at the in the, the late '90s. Um, well, actually, I'm, I'm was going back and I've re- been re-editing um, a, a great call I had back with the late uh, um, Rich Olmstead and uh, Mike Nagel, um, who uh, I did a podcast with a few years ago, and they talk about that history. And it wasn't a stage rally until it was uh, until that 1984 event. Um, those were basically a TSD, but out on gravel roads. Um, the, the brisk TSDs, a la road not taken and. Right, right, exactly. But it wasn't Oregon Trail as we know it. The 1984 event uh, was actually run by the folks that did Olympus and whatnot. I, I think originally organized it. You know, Oregon Trail. Yeah, I think that was when they were still PRG. Okay. Um, 
Pacific and, Rally Group. Oh, right, right. And so anyways, that was kind of a one-off, but uh, then it, it didn't happen again until 96, I think, was the first proper Oregon Trail Rally. Um, and then, uh, but it was run as a regional, I think, that first year, and then they got on the national calendar yeah, a year or two rally. later. Like, uh, yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, obviously rallying's been around this area for a long time. And, uh, it, you know, if not uh, stage rally, then uh, some very brisk, as you said, uh, TSDs out on gravel roads, because there's some great exploring, some great scenery, some great places to, there's still those today, right? There's Norwester, there's all kinds of great uh, TSDs using some great roads out in this area. So. We were doing a, a, a quarantine contactless birthday parade for a friend of Danae's, and uh, I just remember talking to Marilee Gilly at that, and she had brought with her a root book from a rally over near Malala from 1984. Nice. And just, I mean, just thinking about the, you know, you, you mentioned the, the rallies in Oregon and the fact that there have been quite a few. I had no idea that there were some down there, but apparently it was very active. And it just, it goes to show that I need to learn my rally history locally a bit deeper. But yeah, as far as state rally stuff, you know, we started out in that, in that kind of Tillamook area, Tillamook Forest area. Um, unfortunately, couldn't use the roads anymore uh didn't want us there uh it's a complicated problem yeah it was a complicated problem there's uh, you know different forest managers i think stuff like that that came in and so uh we had to make a move and so the decision was made to go east and uh what year was that that we first moved that yeah because it was gonna be my question too would have been 2009 because eight was the last year in tillamook and we basically used uh mount hood rally roads that year right that's pretty much entirely mount hood rally but on a two-day scale Yep. So was PIR used yet as yes. kind of a showcase? Okay. PIR, PIR was used when we were still in Vernonia. Okay. Uh, yep. Uh, for, for a few years. Like the very first year we did PIR, we just ran the drag strip once <clears throat> or maybe twice. And then um, from there, we expanded a little bit. The first couple of years of PIR were very small. Uh, in fact, I think, like I said, the first time, I think we shared it with like a Friday night drag. So we got mm-hmm. to run our cars, and then the drag guys ran. And then I think after that, we uh, <clears throat> we rented the track, but we did a much smaller event, much, much smaller than what we do now, you know, with not even many people there. I don't know what it is like for competitors now, but it was it felt like a huge leap to me to go from, you know, Mount Hood Rally or Doo-Wops or whatever to Oregon Trail. I had to figure out what people did for tarmac tires. I didn't understand anything about that. I mean, I had just figured out how to have enough rally tires to run a rally (laughs) and enough spares to get me through. Then it was like, oh, we have to do the track. I totally spun my car out the first time. (laughs) Um, I, I, you know, it was like also um, so many moving pieces and so many things to figure out, which was great because it did feel like it was kind of worth it to put all that extra effort in. You because felt like I got a really big all show. these new experiences. Yeah, it felt totally different than the than the small regional rallies. And and I I can definitely appreciate, you know, all the work that goes into that now being on this side of it as an organizer. But back then it was just like, why are they making us do all this stuff? How am I supposed to figure this out? (laughs) It was my first event um, with notes. So I just, I I felt like so many things were just uh, new, confusing, overwhelming. Uh, But running at PIR was such a fun, cool thing to do, you know, such a fun party for all of us. It's really, it felt like 
we were all just having a great time and getting to go screw around in our cars. <laughs> I, I was blown away because Oregon Trail 2007 was my first stage event as a competitor. And oh, scary. Yeah, I mean, it was intimidating. But at the same time, I remember that was one of the years that we were, we were starting cars in the drag strip. And we were also running reverse order. And yeah. I was the first car out. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I take that back. I was supposed to be the first car out. Then they put a, a novice, another novice, in, uh, I think it was an Acura Integra ahead of me. He ran, not a very dramatic takeoff. I remember basically doing a red line clutch dump in the Geo and doing a peg leg burnout and looking at the stands and seeing people like screaming at me doing this peg leg burnout in a Geo. And that was when I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing. I want to do this every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I think I'm, so I'm kind different. of looking at Rally Racing News to try to remember some of the things that happened. But uh, I know... It looks like we ran Oregon Trail at least 2005 uh, at at PIR. In 2004, I can't, I, I'm not unable to find stage times. I know we did in five because I serviced for the Tabers in five yeah. when we were at PIR. Fun stuff. I was just going to say, uh, Rebecca, you mentioned in 2010 you ran notes. When I ran trail in 2007 as a novice, you still weren't allowed to run notes. You had to run root book only. And that's one thing I remember is getting lost on stage, going past like a, a diversion road. And thinking, like, <laughs> I didn't see that tape, but we we're supposed to go that way. And having to like realize that our odometer was way off and, and having to stop and think for a second and then decided to just keep following the ruts. But yeah, I feel like, um, you know, maybe it's just my perspective, but things have changed so much over the time that I've been rallying and it all sort of changed as I was ready for it. Being able to run notes, I was like just barely ready to start hearing notes um, and getting, you know, that much more information. But definitely um, from that to like when Hans devices were, you started being required, like I was just finally going fast enough that I was like, oh yeah, I'll spend whatever <laughs> to get to keep racing, where that might have, you know, been too much of a barrier, maybe even just a year or two before that. So I, I felt like that all just sort of aligned with where I was at in my own, you know, racing trajectory. But yeah, we didn't all get to have notes. When the we one thing started. I remember was, was like Oregon Trail 2007. I, Doug, I don't know if you have the, the entry list or anything over there. I remember it was like a total rally of attrition and being the last car on the road for that whole rally because they, they regrouped everyone and moved that Acura way ahead of me. Mm -hmm. So I'm the last card on the road. Uh, I was talking to Jeff Dietz about this a while ago, and he said that he felt really bad because his sweep, he kept catching me on stage and would have to <laughs> slow down and like try to not let me see him so I didn't feel pressured to hurry up. Right. Uh, but oh, I just remember then, yeah. like, being the sweep car, basically, you know, the, the, the fastest of the sweep, I guess. Um, <laughs> the number of cars that, that we had off then. I mean, I feel like when we ran on Rootbook, yeah. you had lots of little dumb offs. That was yeah. when uh, I feel like Sweep was really at the peak of their Yank and Spank era. The whole idea of you haven't hit time bar yet, like keep your time card, we'll pull you out of the ditch, get going. You know, if we see down the road and you're stuck, we'll we'll drag you to the end, but go. Now, you know, by the time that Sweep gets to you, they've already extracted a couple cars and you're going to be time barred pretty much regardless anyway. But I mean, it's that was that was an interesting era. I just the number of naked butts on the top of cars that I saw. <laughs> uh, or in the bushes or in the shoulder. The number of people waving toe straps at me. And I'm thinking, like, there is no way I could get going again, even without your car attached to me in this thing, if I have to stop. <laughs> yeah, and when you're at the back of the pack, you get to see all of it. 
and there was so much carnage, so yeah, much. You don't, uh, uh, you don't see all that when you're running up towards the front. I like, I totally have forgotten some of the fun actually of being at the back of the pack. Right, Dylan, you finished thirty first out of thirty three in the club rally. Woo! In that year, so you <laughs> That's finished. Right. I remember, uh, I didn't finish last. Uh, finished I was just. Just ahead of Michael Bosch in the 1992 Mitsubishi Mighty Max, and just behind Pat Harris in the that's 1975 right. Mazda 323 GTX. Oh, Pat! Oh, wait, that's a 75. It does, but that's probably. Like, oh, it, it had to be the repo. That had to be the truck. Yeah, Mazda repo. Yeah. Well, the reason I was asking was I remember that being a really heavy rally of attrition. We started like 70 cars and we finished 40 something, 30 or 40 something. Yeah. Yeah. So, so PIR obviously a, a, a fun thing, and, and I guess it expanded. I, now, when I went and saw it in 2010 as a spectator, it looked like it was it was a big show already. You're you're using both the the track and going off the track. Um, I, I distinctly remember uh, being over on the um, uh, the motocross track, watching the cars come around and and make that right hander mm. onto the little uh, side road there before they came around to the back of the track. You know, as the kind of the split stage thing that was going on back then. Um, so when did that kind of start where it did expand from the, just doing the drag strip to, uh, using the whole course? Cause it was, it was a good crowd there. I was impressed. Yeah. I think I want to say around 2005 to, uh, 2006, maybe, um, we started to expand into using more of the track Gotcha. and we've run a number of different configurations of, of PIR. It'd be kind of fun to go back and look at some of those maps, but um, you know, we run we run the track in in you know reverse course, uh, normal course direction. Um, trying to think what the most interesting thing was that we've done there. I, I, think I we have just... to be honest, Doug. I think your um, idea for this last year was a huge improvement. Even though oh, yeah. it seemed like we had figured out everything we could use there and every every way we could make it interesting, I think you um, you just had such a great idea. So, I, I mean, I know we're reminiscing, but I'll just reminisce to last year and say, you did a great job. You really, I think, made it more challenging and more interesting. Well, thank, thanks for that. I mean, I, I think it was a pretty good uh, pretty good course. And, you know, the dream at PIR is, has always been to have a side-by-side -side super special, you know, kind of WRC style. Um, and we've tried a number of different ways to do it. For, for some years, we did run two cars at a time, uh, but mm -hmm. we just... Uh, there was sort of a there was sort of a time delay crossover, but it was never as compact as the WRC type um, super specials because there just isn't a great place to do that at PIR without building um, an expensive over under right. somewhere. Um, but, but that's always kind of been the dream. But I think it's been pretty good um, in the past. I don't know, even ten years. You know, I think I think we've had a pretty good show there. I think there's been fun things to watch. Um, you know, you can there's there's multiple good uh, viewing locations. You can always go right into the service area and, oh, and, you know, I guess now that I think of it, service has been both inside and outside the track at PIR, mm -hmm. but uh, th that's one of the cool things about rally is that you can go right into the service area. So, I mean, if you're, if you're sitting there watching somebody go over a jump and they break something, you can be like, oh, I want to run back and watch them fix that. And then you just try it over to service and, you know, watch your crew go crazy trying to try and repair whatever it was. So that, that's kind of neat to see. The only thing about the new layout, and this is just, you know, from sitting in the passenger seat, flying through the chicane, and then diving through that little hole in the fence, 
just thinking, yeah. please, please don't go straight into the pond. Please don't go straight into the pond. <laughs> and, you know, when the brakes I... lock up and the car starts to go straight, like, you just, a diamond happens somewhere in the, the coal chute. <laughs> and nobody did go into the pond. I, you know, This year. We, yeah, the, last started, year. I mean. <laughs> yeah, we sort of took bets when we were looking at that. Like, how how bad of an idea is this? How how can we be sure? But, yeah, eh, it's it's a lot further away than you think, Dylan. That water's like feet and feet away from where <laughs> the racing line is. Whole, <laughs> whole individuals of feet. Right. <laughs> Uh, I do remember uh, on the infield area, the uh, a car going into the the, the pond there. Oh, the, the Audi, yeah. Yes, the Audi going the, in there. The it, was, dike, it was wet. Yeah. The dike yep. thing. And luckily, it wasn't deep though. Oh no, no, no it wasn't. It was. It, it was really wet. minor. It was just they just got really wet. <laughs> But it was, I think it, the, the rain came down and made the grass slick or, or it had rained the day before or something like that. And uh, where they ran off in the grass, they they turned and the car didn't. And oops, a little too we've fast. Had a, we've had a couple of years that we've gotten quite a lot of rain day of, and then it's turned into a swelteringly hot, muggy day, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I guess here's a question that, again, since I've only been with it for 10 years, has it always been in the same time frame, uh, being in the April, uh, May time frame? Or when we were in the other area, did we have a different time year we ran it? It's not always been in the spring. Um, it has been in the fall before. Um, but in the spring for a while, though. I'm trying to remember. Um, luckily, Rally Racing, News ha- Rally Racing News has that as well. But uh like the 2005 event shows being in the spring, but I I definitely remember uh, being in the uh, other parts of the year. I mean, April May have been the most popular months, so I mean, I guess we I guess we've mainly been in that time frame. I'm trying struggling to find any proof that we may have run in the fall, but I I kind of thought we ran in the fall one year, um, so maybe maybe not. Um, I, I I swear I remember that too, but I can't I I couldn't tell you when it was. It might have been a one off. Yeah. Yeah, it might have been a one-off. Yeah, because I know. Uh, so would have maybe have been when you guys that... had to uh, reschedule suddenly uh, because of the switch from the one forest to the other when you did the Mount, Mount Hood roads. Mm, that could be. So. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, one one thing I do remember about Oregon Trail, you know, for many years the Tabor family really made it happen, and yep. they of course run a tax business, so they were trying to avoid. Um, having the event happen on tax on, on tax day, um, but it still happened on tax day sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of my memories uh, going back to the PIR stuff, as again we start transitioning to the other areas. Um, one of my favorite memories of being there as a spectator was, um, or maybe I was working. I don't. Know, I just remember I, who's got the rust colored Volvo two four two, and I, I can't remember who. And I remember that it was when you still we started coming around the uh, the outside of the um, uh, of the motocross track and came around and when when you came down to the tarmac there those those big boulders right yeah and you had to make that tight turn and he cut it too tight he hits one of the boulders and if it was anything but a Volvo it would have kind of crunched the front end instead <laughs> no the boulder moved because it's that damn <laughs> Volvo. <laughs> That thing that was, was a brick. <laughs> that was also, um, oh, I can't remember his name right now. I haven't seen him in rally since then, but he was driving a Ford Focus. 
and he went wide on the 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 road that leaves from start and finish on the track and heads out towards that hairpin right at the fence and uh, oh, yeah. he locked up and slid wide and just punched one of those boulders moved it like four or five feet i just remember a chunk about i don't know like cantaloupe size of the wheel just going flying through the air <laughs> across the parking lot and thankfully <laughs> oh, we had our you know our, our spectator line was far enough back that it landed in the field out in front of us and i, ju- I just remember michaela holcomb running out and uh, after the cars had finished we picked it up and like looking at how shattered this piece of aluminum was and barack tuglu that was his name and this this uh-huh. fiesta just or uh, i think it was a fiesta or a focus, focus. i don't know, focus just stuck up on the rock. <laughs> just beached. Just beached. Oh, great. Uh, uh, memories of PIR. Uh, actually, that's a good spot. I guess let's do that. Memories of PIR. Because uh, there's a few of those. I, I remember one year um, when I was working the event, standing um, on the front stretch or near the front stretch, uh, right as the event was getting started, seeing a car coming down the front stretch. Not be, It was too far for me to see what car it was. But there was a huge plume of, of sparks coming up and over the car. And I remember looking down there thinking, that has to be Ken Block. It has to be. And, of course, it was. He had uh, damaged a wheel or a tire or something and was just dragging the, the wheel on the ground. And I remember later that this was, the wheel was flat spotted. You know, it had like three inches off one side. It was perfectly flat where it had been dragged on the tarmac and it just created this huge spark show of course he finished the stage and you know they fixed everything later um that was that's one uh, memory i have that was i remember that year specifically because they had just repaved pir and i remember sitting <laughs> thinking like oh crap we are gonna have to pay <laughs> oh, right? so much that's gonna be expensive <laughs> oh god oh ken why did you do this to us ken why <laughs> but there was no real damage yeah no there was just like some his his aluminum skid plate was crazy thick and it had just worn it completely away right I remember that uh, very well. Also, I was over by where we had opened up the fence and we used to have the, what was it called? Pea bleacher or whatever is back there. Um, Yeah. yeah, And so the, the rise in the grass and it made a little jump and Ken wasn't lifting (laughs) and that front just dug into the sod and just chunks flying everywhere. (laughs) I got nailed with like some big hunk of, mud and grass and whatnot it was it was pretty entertaining ken also killed one of the the um the posts i remember that being expensive to replace yeah uh speaking of posts during the press stage one year uh, there's been some funny press stage incidents but one that i remember well is eric, is eric burmeister um <laughs> in his mazda speed uh three not the protege but the, the yeah, one and the three yeah yeah uh super nice car really fast and um, during the press stage, Eric was really excited because uh, he'd had a little support from Mazda, and there was a there was a guy from uh, from Japan, uh, from Mazda in Japan there, and I think it was from Mazda in Japan, who got to go for a ride in the car. And so Eric was pretty excited to have this opportunity, and uh, which is exactly why we do the press stage. And uh, but unfortunately, he uh, went. He got the car got a little light over um, a jump. And he ended up going down a big hill and he took out one of these, you know, eight by eight posts that was, you know, that sticks up maybe four feet. And he took it out and, and luckily he just hit it with his skid plate kind of stuck out in front of the car and he just cut it off and kept on going. <laughs> but I remember, I remember when he got back hearing uh, the stories of this was, uh, it was a pretty exciting time for them. So 
And that push is still missing, by the way. <laughs> I know exactly where it is. I was just kind of thinking that we need to keep like a hall of fame of people who have stuffed it on press day. Like, you know, we it always happens say every you, time. Can't, you can't win Oregon Trail on Friday, but you can lose it. But like you can lose Friday before Friday even happens, technically. Like you can Fair lose point. it at the press stage. <laughs> <laughs> and even more so now that we started uh, moving it to where it's the Friday morning, you know, that you can do right. the press stage right. before uh, the event starts later in the evening. So, whew, yeah. <laughs> Well, we have an extra guest that we've added to the show all of a sudden. We have Lee Sorensen. Uh, you all know him as the Zero Car for Team Fagawi, uh, who, who always does all the great safety work uh, for our rallies out here in the Pacific Northwest. Lee, welcome to the Rallycast. Uh, thanks, Mike. Appreciate the last-minute uh, email, and I wish I'd gotten a little earlier, but uh, that's okay. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you know, we're just all, you know, lamenting not having Oregon Trail Rally this weekend. And, uh, you know, we were all talking earlier about uh, drinking out of our uh, Oregon Trail uh, uh, beer mugs and things like that to, to make sure. Uh, you, you said that you were uh, wearing an Oregon Trail Rally shirt? Uh, absolutely. I'm wearing my, uh, let's see, I think I'm in my 2018. Um, uh, I'll be wearing my 2019 tomorrow. I've been, uh, I have uh, uh, 12 of these shirts. 12 years worth and uh, i've been wearing them in succession every day uh for the last uh thing i did the same thing kind of organized the thing for olympus and uh got the organizers more involved and got a little facebook attention from that but uh uh, it's kind of fun um i wish i was there Uh, i was very moody on uh on wednesday night because i had uh I had a reservation at the Mimaloose State Park campground, so I'm going to fly in that day and drive down there and be ready for recce on Thursday morning. So I was uh, I was a little moody on uh, on on Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> I think I think we all were. Um, well, one thing I do want to get from you that uh, we talked to everybody else about is uh, what was your first first Oregon Trail rally then that uh, you can remember being at? The first one I remember being at was. Um, was the year the first year it occurred as a national and um and it was out in i believe it was out in tillamook and um but it was actually there was a, a stage rallies by the oregon rally group run the two previous years uh up in the mount hood area uh kind of southeast of mount hood and those were um I forget the name of them. Um, I was trying to go through the Doug. If you remember this email conversation a week or two ago, um, but one of them was a national called Tour de Forest. It was uh, Jerry Hines worked with Nick Moore because Jerry had lost his roads just before the event and uh, moved it down there. And I remember going to the regional event just before that and to that national event, Tour de Forest, servicing for my brother and his driver, Dan Goodwin, and the rotary GLC, Mazda GLC. Wow, the GLC had a rotary. I did not realize that. Huh. Oh, no, it didn't come with a rotary. Ah, okay. <laughs> like, wait a minute, huh, what? <laughs> when all else fails, add more brap. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, this, this car was actually, my brother built it for Hendrick Block, and uh, Hendrick rallied in it for a season uh, with my brother navigating for him most of the season. Uh, there was a pretty famous event at Olympus, one of the first events it went to. Uh, it may have been the second event it went to. And 
And on the very first stage, the spectator stage up um, at the RV park going up the mountain grade there, the um, flywheel, the pressure plate exploded. Pieces flew through the tunnel and knocked the top of the fuel pressure regulator off, which was under the dash on, uh, above my brother's feet and lit my brother on fire. Oof. Um, okay. my, minor minor burns, but um, but that's when you well, – Henrik was good at revving engines, and so he revved it to 11,000 when and he jumped the clutch off the start line, and it made it about 200 yards. So, Lee, we're mainly focusing on uh, fond memories, by the way. But... <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, I was about to just tell uh, a not-so-positive memory when we were talking about PIR and you mentioned uh, a Mazda. I had been remembering when um, Hendo, Dave Henderson, uh, blew up the Mazda 3. It was like this beautiful brand new build. I do. I have no idea what year this was, but this was at PIR. It, it was. I was still so new to rally that every PIR felt like a huge party and a fun time, no matter what was going on. And having him explain to me how he had just totally destroyed, you know, I guess uh, it was a money shift, and he just ripped uh, the transmission and then parts of the motor out of the car in the middle of one of the PIR stages, but he was so animated and explaining it to me and telling me the story. And even though it was horrible and the car was totally ruined, uh, that is actually one of my fond memories of like meeting uh, Hendo and talking to him and stuff, because, you know, he didn't pitch a fit. He didn't start screaming at people. He just told everyone like, yeah, look what I did. He was bringing them in. <laughs> Metal chunks around the service area. <laughs> I'm really excited for him to get back in the rally because his kids want to rally. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's going to be so fun. It can be a family affair. We can see all those kids. You know, see him and his uh, his boys and and their their whole thing just having fun, right? So uh, one of the stories we we finished up a little bit ago was uh, talk about Ken Block and him uh, shedding sparks, uh, going three wheel mm -hmm. drive around the track. Um, Lee, what is your uh, favorite memories from uh, PIR? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. And um, my memories, of course, are putting together, getting the, the stages running, and um, which is always um, a challenge, um, and getting things together. Um, uh, other than I was one time I had a, I had a co-worker, come Friday night and I wanted to give him a ride. So I gave him a ride on stages on Friday night and let Norma sit out for the evening. He, uh, the look on his face or the comment out of his mouth after I slid it into the, to that uh, 90 right at the end of the gravel straightaway on the South side mm -hmm. um, with the uh, container as your apex mm -hmm. uh -huh. uh, was pri was, pri was priceless. <laughs> and, um, he uh, got him back to the to the uh, paddock and he got out of the car and says uh yeah i think i'm good for the evening i'm gonna go have a beer <laughs> <laughs> so i found, found norma and got her back in the car and we were good for the rest of the evening so 
uh, it's an enlightening experience uh, doing those uh, d doing the stages of PIR. PIR. I've uh, been fortunate enough, having run the press stage, to be able to run part of what would be one of those stages uh, for that press stage. And uh, wow, um, I've gotten to, I've been very fortunate to ride with some pretty darn fast people. Uh, Brian Bouffier, when he came to visit, mm -hmm. uh, the mm -hmm. first version of the Kazi um, that Ken Block brought. Um, I'm still jealous of that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, uh, I've been extremely fortunate and, uh, the, the amount of control that it, it, it's just one of those situations that it visually looks out of control, but you can feel they're perfectly in control and it, it it's just mesmerizing. And yeah, either you're going to run away at that point, <laughs> you know, it's fight or flight, I guess, you know, you're either going to run away or you're going to be addicted and say, I want more. You know, and, and, and definitely, I want more. <laughs> it's some fun mm -hmm. stuff out there, for sure. Well, I know um, that at least Doug, Rebecca, and I have driven and co-driven. Uh, Lee, have you ever sat right seat? Uh, yeah, I actually uh, won a national championship in 2003, sitting beside Bruce Davis in production GT. Wow. And uh, oh, so wow. actually, I, I actually probably have more rallies in the right seat than the left seat. Um, huh. and, I had no idea. Uh, I, I was I was always a co-driver up until uh, and only did a few events driving uh, competitively. I probably have five or six competitive events as a driver under my belt. Uh, the rest of them are co-drivers, and you know I've been doing it a long time. I, I I began rallying TSDs with my brother when I was nine years old, so I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> Well, I was I was what? bringing it up because I was just thinking about uh, the difference. You know, like I've I've ridden in quite a few cars now around PIR, um, and when you're not calling notes and you're just along for the ride, how I don't know amazingly faster it feels. Uh, you know, I've I've ridden with some guys and it just it as a having driven and co-driven. Like I I know that I'm not the fastest driver. I'm I'm just out to have fun and you know slide around a bit. But riding with some competitive people. Like, it's mind-blowing how fast that track goes around when you're actually looking. But when you're looking down at the book and not even looking at the road, it's such a different experience. Even with the super twisty around PIR. Yeah, the pace is crazy, for sure. I mean, and especially um, cars have just gotten so much faster, right? How, how fast those guys can go. I mean, technology is amazing. Suspension, etc. Mm -hmm. from definitely you know since i've been around rally those cars just can do amazing things and yeah i i never will drive at that pace but getting to ride at that pace it it's like i i can't read notes that fast there's no point <laughs> well you know I, I at the time i was i uh, was racing my open class gtx and thinking that you know i was pretty pretty fast with just the power that i had but then getting in one of the r2 cars and just having my mind turned inside out with how fast that car accelerates, how hard it brakes, how much grip it has in all conditions, considering it's only got two wheels dragging it around. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing. It, it, proper built race cars can do <laughs> some pretty amazing things for sure. You know, so, you know, from there, we, you know, started going out into the, uh, it used to be that day two was, uh, Saturday was the Mount Hood region, right? And then we'd go out to Dufer area. Um, at the end of the weekend, my memories of uh, mostly Fur Mountain, um, first of the spectator, then uh, going out there as a volunteer, 
Um, here's a good one to bring Doug in because <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is Doug's story, but uh, <laughs> I did end up meeting Doug uh, on a stage, but I, it, it was my first uh, time volunteering where I could really see what rally brings. And I'm in this clearing where just across, you know, from me is Mount Hood in all its majesty. You could see it just peeking through the clouds and race cars going right in front of me. And I'm just blocking off a road, you know, to keep the locals out. And a couple locals did show up. They knew this uh, back road and I just stopped them and said, yeah, you can't go any farther. If you guys want to sit right here and be safe, that's fine. But uh, yeah, you guys are going to watch from a safe distance, but um, a, a really good spot spot to spectate from and uh, and uh, a great place to watch the rally cars and then heard uh, an odd noise um, from <laughs> from a little ways back. Uh, Doug, you can probably explain that one a little better. I can only assume that you're talking about 2013, Mike. Yep. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, well, okay, I got I know we were done talking about PIR, but I got to go back to PIR for a second. So in 2013, we had uh, a nice STI rally car, and my friend Gabe West was navigating and I had, we had built that car and raced it first in 2010. So we had a couple of years under our belt with the car and I was feeling pretty comfortable and I knew PIR well. And so I said, all right, tonight's, tonight's the night we're going to, we're going to push really hard. And at PIR, we did really well. Uh, we were, I can remember if we were definitely in the top 10 in the national, if we'd entered the national, but I think in the top five and we're right behind Hendo in, in the regional. Um, so we were feeling really good, had a great night, um, you know, and Saturday morning put brand new tires on the car, uh, which I've come to learn is a, is an omen. And, uh, <laughs> we went out and ran, uh, these, you know, in, in the, uh, Mount Hood area, we did Gahuli probably we did maybe, uh, I don't know if it was the 11 road or something. And I think it was around the third stage, Fur Mountain, uh, which is a wonderful stage, although I have I feelings about it now. Um, and we were, we were again, pushing hard. We had had some good stages, some competitive stages early in the morning. And, um, of course, as happens when you start to get faster, um, I came into a corner and I hit a pothole or something, and the car got a little funny, and I ran out of talent. And then I ran into a burn and rolled the car. Um, and it was a nice, easy roll. No problem. Once over landed on the side, we climbed out the driver door and, uh, got some great, great YouTube, uh, great, uh, GoPro video to prove, uh, the story. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end of our rally. But then, uh, yes, then I, I distinctly remember, um, uh, meeting Mike later that night, um, in the bar and I had already had a couple of beers and I had gone to buy a round of beers for the folks I was hanging out with and my service crew and Mike was there. And so I bought one more beer uh, for Mike and, mm. um, and it was a, it was a fun night. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that, that happened just around the bend from uh, where I was. And it was the, the folks that were spectating, uh, it, you know, that pulled up um, into the, to the area um, where I was the locals and they had had, you know, a couple of beers and whatnot and were hanging out and uh, that they met up with, uh, met up there with Doug, and uh, said, "Hey, you know, you're not driving anymore. You want a beer?" <laughs> and I believe you did oh, take him up for that op- on that offer, didn't a, you? That brings the story full circle. I did not realize that those were the people that you had been talking with. Yes. Yep. Uh, I was uh, I was quite dejectedly sitting in the car while the crew was wrestling it onto the trailer because it was pretty it was pretty trashed, 
And uh, this guy leans in uh, and he's asking me questions. Are you the driver? Yeah, boy, that looks like a lot of fun. Well, like, yeah, can be. <laughs> and uh, he says, you look like you need a beer. I'm like, all right. So he hands me a tall boy of like bush light ice or something, you know. <laughs> I happily cracked it and drank it right there. So I was <laughs> super happy to have that that shitty cold beer right Exactly. Down. Perfect timing. I think kind of along that same connection people anecdote, uh, Jason Griffith and I realized that when we DNF'd Oregon Trail in 2014 in the GTX due to a bad wheel bearing, the person at the end of stage who we talked to that we always told this, this whole little story and we laughed about turns out to actually be the person that I'm co-driving for mostly full time. Uh, so we finished the stage about a mile from the end. Uh, we lose the right front wheel bearing and like no brakes because you know, it's worked the caliper all the way open and smoke rolling out of one corner. We managed to pull up to the, the finish control and Jason hands a time card out the window and they're having the usual like co-driver and whatever BS. And he's like, Oh, and is, is that wheel on fire? And you hear the, the control worker be like, is that, Oh, Oh yes. Yes. It's on fire. And <laughs> it turns out that the person who took our time card and looked at our wheel, it was on fire is Matt Turner, who is who I co-drive for currently. Oh, nice. nice. That's awesome. I had no idea though, until like this year, I mean, I've been co-driving for him for a year and a half now. And we just finally realized this year that he was the person who took our time card at the end of that stage. Lee, what's uh, some of your memories of uh, Fur Mountain and the and the stages out there in Mount Hood? I have uh, I have two that are pretty good. Um, one was, um, and of course, I got a little bit of different perspective because I'm doing a little bit different job. But uh, we were sitting at a start control um, on Fur Mountain. It was one of the years that they split Fur Mountain into two oh, stages. Yeah. And the, uh, the break was at the normal spectator area on Fur Mountain. And we were heading southbound for the second, the south leg of that. And I'm at the start control, and we usually sit there for 15 or 20 minutes waiting for our time to come up and things to get clear as car zero. And somebody, one of the control workers walks up with, uh, and I had Ardale Kreischauer co-driving for me that year. And... Um, he walks up and, and we got the windows down and says, uh, would you like a kebab? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's on it? He says, those are their shrimp. I go, great. Can we have two? Yeah, sure. So we ate shrimp kebabs, suited up <laughs> with our helmets on at the star control of Fur Mountain Top. I thought that was pretty cool. You just can't make this stuff up, you know? Nice. That's um, awesome. The other, the other one memory I have, which is, is really the visual memory, that, that area was always phenomenally beautiful uh, when, when it was clear, of course. Uh, I remember going northbound on Ketchum and looking straight ahead at Mount uh, Adams, looking slightly to the left at Mount St. Helens, and looking in my left rearview mirror at Mount Hood at the same time. Yeah. Ketchum had a beautiful was, view from the top of it, but man, it was rough. Yeah. Oh, it was rough on the southern part, but that, that top five miles was phenomenal. Right. Fast, great view, um, not a lot of trees to hit, which was good. So it was it was just, I just remember that. And I also remember the year that we were uh, at the fairgrounds there and uh, doing service, and Mount St. Helens lit off that morning. Oh, wow. Wow. So that was pretty cool. It poofed off. Oh, of right. That, when you did a smaller one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember what it you're was, talking about. A, yeah. 
I remember it theming, theming most of the morning. It was pretty cool. So a, a great area. I, I, of course, we did a lot of Mount Hood rallies there, too, and running those roads. So I have, I have a few Mount Hood stories, but that's a different event. Yeah. <laughs> so from there, we, you know, and we still use them today, is those uh, roads out in the Dufer area. And uh, that's where it's just a really fast flowing roads uh some of them very straight unfortunately but uh definitely high speed great views though um one of my memories though is uh as a volunteer i wanted to learn everything about the sport and so i think it was around the 2012 uh 2013 era and there was one of the stages i think we call it summit or something like that um i think it was a shorter version of void or something like that anyways i just remember working um, the stop control. I was flying finish the, for the first run, then I worked stop control um, for the next. The wind got, can get so high out there, and I remember that. Um, oh gosh, who was it? Uh, Steve Greer's car, mm. and he's he's quick, right? He was, he was only like probably about seventh on the road, you know, behind the you know some of the national guys, maybe farther up than that. Well, we couldn't hear the times coming in, and I'm trying to do a time card, and I don't know what to put down. I'm still learning this thing. <laughs> And I thought the co-driver was just going to rip me by the throat because they, they wanted to get going because the transit times weren't what they are today. And uh, it was a stressful time for me. Learned a hell of a lot, though, and would have handled it better today. <laughs> but I just remember just the, the fact that you could see the cars for a long time, how fast they go through the flying finish boards on those stages. And, it, it, I mean, there was a huge slowdown spot for that stage. And yet they barely got slowed down because they could get so fast on those roads. Um, and, uh, yeah, exciting times out there, uh, both volunteering and, of course, now being able to be out there at the jump and things like that, uh, where it's just flat out. And it's amazing what these cars can do these days. Another finish you're talking about, because that was one where you were there when I came through the GTX. And I, the only reason I couldn't, you know, was going so fast through the, the flying finish was I had no brakes, could not stop. <laughs> <laughs> trying to wave the the worker like no no for, forward just meet me down there I'll, I'll catch up to you i'm trying to find the photo so i can figure out what year it was it was the year that i had jeff bernard co-drive for me in advance and i remember it was one of the, the it was one of the first years we were out in dufer and it was the year that we got the huge thunderstorm that rolled through and just dumped yeah. and dumped and we canceled a bunch of stages on saturday night and i remember mike nagel sent me out to re-advance the stages and you know, I just remember being like a foot and a half deep of mud and catching sweep still pulling two wheel drive cars out of starve out and thinking from the that, first like, running from the first running. And it's been two or three hours and, and thinking like, if, if I have to stop, I'm not going to get going again. <laughs> and we're, so we're kind of following this car and we, we stopped up on top of this hill. And that was when you know Jeff decided to take some photos and then the lightning started and we're, you know, we're sitting there and Jeff, Jeff's all excited and, and like, no, we need to go. There's lightning. There's nothing around us. And he's like, why? I'm like, we're in a metal box on top of a hill with a big antenna saying, hit me, hit me. And then he just looked at the radio and was like reading notes and telling me to go faster. And But we, we finished that one and you couldn't see the engine in our car. It was just one big ball of mud. I spent so much time at the car wash down in Hood River, or sorry, uh, the Dalles, blowing chunks out of the engine bay from that one. That was It was like that mud snorkeling my way to the end of a stage. Yeah, that was a crazy, like, flash flood. Like, it was sunny, and then it was torrential downpour. Like, three inches and, of rain in an hour. Yeah, and that was the first time 
So I had that thought, like, what are all the ham radios doing? Are they all getting going to get struck by lightning? Like, that was the first time it really occurred to me um, how many radios were out there supporting our event. And, yeah, that those antennas were just giant lightning rods. <laughs> and they better all stop doing that. It was like I had so many weird uh, concerns, but. Gosh, I don't even remember. So did we end up only getting to score like half of that day? Yeah. Is that how that we went down? We didn't, we didn't mm-hmm. make the last two stages. Um, mm-hmm. God, what year was that? I, I know it's in my Facebook feed somewhere. Oh, here. man. It it's was like 11 or 12. a while. Yeah, it was quite a few years ago. I remember Net Control having to go off the air because he had to take down his mast. Because yeah, he was higher than nice. anybody else. With a 25-foot antenna. Yeah, mountaintop. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that just made the whole ham radio thing so real to me, like exactly how it works and exactly what it is and how key it is to our events. Like, without that, we are just totally clueless. (laughs) That that was the same year that Ardale was riding with me, and and so that was the same year of the uh, shrimp kebabs. Um, 2011. I remember getting... And I remember getting to the end of that stage uh, in the Starbout, and and Ardale sounds to me says, "I have no idea why we are not off the road." <laughs> says, That's I, good driving. Says, I can't what... understand why why we did not slide off this road. I go. Well. <laughs> I says, "Yeah, as long as I didn't hit you with my elbows, it's all good." <laughs> <laughs> Doug, what's your memories of uh, some of the? stuff out there in Dufer. I've got a few of them, but uh, you got to be going here probably in about uh, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little flexible, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the stormy year was definitely a memory. I've got a great in-car video put together of that and all the cars that were off. Um, that was pretty exciting. Um, I, I, you know, again, not a, not a, not a fond, well, fond memory for one reason, but um, it was, yeah, I think Nick, Nick Roberts, I think uh, mm. crashed uh there on on those stages in fact uh had a had a little car fire there and uh mm-hmm. you know, of course the fond memory is everybody was okay but that's just one thing i remember about those stages um i think uh i think there was a year where um scott kovalik um hit a stop sign or something i, I remember that being kind of entertaining <laughs> um you know it was one of the one of the one of the oh, stages where we we turn an at an intersection what's that I think that was on on Boyd, and it was where you Boyd, go from yeah. gravel onto pavement. On the exactly. Yeah, yeah. Remember that that being kind of fun. That little section was so fun. I mean, it was fast and like, yeah, I liked that little section. Um, I, you know, my, a lot of my memories of the Dufer area or the service area. Of course, that's where I spent most of my time. Um, but uh, just. You know, we have a nice little service area there, and uh, uh, we're really lucky that the city of Dufer lets us come and play there. Um, I think it's one of the best park exposés um, oh, that yeah. I've ever been to. Um, I've been told by others who come from, you know, from uh, do the national series that that's a really good park exposé. The city of Dufer is a great place to do that. Main Street is uh, so cool. Yeah, Main Street Dufer, and you've got, you know, you've got the store there, uh, Kramer's Market, you know, that's right there on the corner, and uh, um, and you know, it's just a really good spot to to do that. So that's, that's those are some of my my favorite memories. That would be the, I think, the first time that I really got to chat with uh, David Higgins and and Craig Drew and 
got to meet uh, Andrew Comer Picard and, you know, a lot of these guys that, you know, were these mythical creatures <laughs> to me <laughs> when I, in my earlier days. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, it, 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 that setting right there in Doofer, um, at, at that park expo was just so great for, uh, having the fans get up and close and personal and it's just, just, just a fun time. Uh, one other memory I was going to have is, that I have there is, uh, when we started doing some of that live timing stuff and the first time I saw a car come to the finish on the spindle <laughs> or what was left of the rim was Paul Eklund. Uh, with a rear tire when he was running the uh, Subaru there, the yeah his um, super production car, and <laughs> yeah that that was a, that was fun watching him scrape his way at the end of uh, I think that was I think that was Boyd is what that one was on, and he just scraped his way all the way. Nope, we'll make it to service. We'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a spare left because I guess he had a puncture earlier or something like that. So he was just gonna. Right on it. It's like he just asked, like, so is the hub still there? Yeah, the hub's still there. All right, we're good. <laughs> what year did we have the concert in Dooper? Like, we had a barbecue and a concert, but I think that was the same 2012 year that we had all the 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 rain or 2011 when we had the the massive rainstorm. Because I remember it was sort of like a weird the the creek overflowed and like the sewer overflowed in the Dooper City Park. And <laughs> speaking of fun, <laughs> yeah, yeah right? good time. <laughs> I think th I think that was eleven, but yeah, that was I think we Jeff Lemley had arranged a band and we had this big party Saturday night in Doofer. I remember the bar in town was the party central until two a.m. The little one across the street that's now closed. Oh yeah, that place is closed. That's so sad. So uh, Mike, you mentioned ACP, and I this is not specific to any of the roads, but do you guys remember? There was at least one year where ACP did like a radio ad for our event. Do, do any of you guys remember that? Oh I man, don't. it was so good. That is one of my all-time favorite rally things. I, we would have to go back and find out, you know, who else remembers that to remember what the content was at all. But somebody got him to record a radio ad for our rally and we played it on some of the local radio stations. <laughs> It was so good. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he is Mr. Hollywood. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Those were also the last years that we did live rally radio, I think. I don't remember what exact year That's that right. was that we did it. But Lemley put that on. And I just remember that we had great, great listenership uh, all over the world. And it was it, it was amazing hearing that, that self-produced. You know, we ran it. Uh, my little web server was was hosting the whole stream for like 3,000 people at once. It was great. Um and then we got told we couldn't do that anymore because it was competing with uh, with the sanctioning body's coverage. But now we've got Mike, and that's fantastic. One cool thing about the Doofer area, helicopters, right? We've had oh, some yeah. helicopter coverage out that way. Oh, that's right. That was really that was really cool, uh, especially like over the jump. We've got a couple of great photos of uh, rally car mountain helicopter, you know, rally over the jump. They were pretty, pretty yeah, exciting. those are amazing shots for sure. And I don't know if it was I'm Warwick or, or who it was, but one of them was hanging out, you know, strapped, but kind of hanging out the helicopter to get some of the video footage. <laughs> very, they're very dedicated. Yep. I'm surprised nobody's mentioned the water crossing yet. Uh, we're we're uh, talking yes. about fond memories. <laughs> <laughs> I have some very damp memories from that. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I, have, I have a love-hate relationship with that water crossing. Generally, I love it except for the year that the rancher had put the water level up so high 
after recce, of course, that I never made it through the water crossing clean. Um, every time, every time I went through it and we went through it four times on that event, my engine would stumble and take a load of water up the intake. And the last time I went through was, uh, when Higgins was chasing me down the stage. So that was, uh, that Higgins was chasing all of us down the stage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, he ended up passing me because my, my engine stalled going up the hill on the other side. And, uh, and so I put on my triangle and waved him by and he never lifted. So, um, <laughs> it was, um, but the water crossing, I do have a lot of, I, I probably have a dozen or more photographs that I've pulled from off of the websites and stuff like that from, from the great photographers that work all these events. And, uh, of me going through that water splash and it's pretty cool when you, when you hit it right and, uh, and you get a good splash and, uh, it, it, it's, it's definitely a feature of Oregon trail. The one that I remember was 2014 in the GTX. Uh, I felt pretty invincible based on how big the skid plate on that car was. And I didn't realize that it actually stopped about three inches before the floor plugs in the middle of the floor, and I didn't realize there were floor plugs because they'd been painted over so many times. And we, we hit it on the second pass at, I don't know, maybe 75 miles an hour or so, and I just remember suddenly brown everywhere. It was just an explosion of wet and brown, and Jason frantically trying to like hide his, 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 uh, his notebook, and we get into service, and his wife was like cleaning the outside of the windshield. I'm like, what did you guys do? It won't come clean. And we're like, no, it's it's inside, and like the roof is dripping mud off of the headliner because the car still had one, and there's like an inch of standing water in the floorboard. That was exciting. What's a lot of water the, in like what one. What is second. the key to hitting that water splash just right? I I can give you one answer because I uh, asked Higgins one once uh, at the banquet. Uh, I said, oh, boy, you know, it seems like uh, I can't figure out how to go through that water splash without, you know, getting my engine wet or something. How do you do it? He had one word. Flat. <laughs> <laughs> so helpful. <laughs> and, end of conversation. Basically, you just go through as fast as you possibly can. Skip like a stone. That's right. <laughs> Every time I do that in, in dirt, I end up in the trees. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, well. I, I have I have found staying to the south side of the puddle, depending on which direction you're going across, uh, it's a little bit shallower there, and it's also closer to the photographers. So if I get them wet, yeah, that's all good too. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, for the love of photogs. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, it was in. I guess what was the first, was it uh, 2016 was our first year that we did uh, that went up to the Goldendale area mm. and they really welcomed us up there that, you know, when we ended up uh, moving away from Mount Hood and uh, ended up going across the river to Washington. And I remember first driving that uh, Dallas Mountain Road just to see what it was like. And I'm like, this is this is heaven on gravel. You know, the view from that and the character of that road was just awesome you know at least you know this is me thinking with my media mind of course uh, i'm not a competitor but the the views are you just don't get better than that to be honest you know you talk about those mountain views uh that you're seeing lee and whatnot and w- where you can see the cars for so long and through all these different corners and you know the dust trails and stuff on that stage it's it's my favorite right now 
It's my favorite uphill. Downhill, I have to remind myself not to look. (laughs) (laughs) The views downhill are much better. (laughs) The views are better, which is why I don't look, because it's a long way down. Especially at twilight when the lights are on in Dufer, especially the dam and stuff like that. It's really very cool. I have to tell my navigator to look up every once in a while. At least notice the view, Norma, please. <laughs> somebody has to somebody has to notice this view. <laughs> uh, my, uh, again, my favorite stage uh, in the Goldendale area is also uh, Dalt Mountain, either direction. Um, probably my b- favorite thing was just this last year uh, when they had the helicopter out. Uh, I've always uh, been told by the photographers, again, the, the rally media, again, um, that I'm their setup guy. Uh, wherever, whether it's a still photographer or a videographer, because I'm usually running the line that the competitors are running. And so we were heading up this this last year in 2019, and um, probably for half of the stage, I had the helicopter 100 feet off of the right side of the car. Mm. Wow. And that was really cool, and I was nervous as hell. And and I told I kept telling Norma I said at least smile at the window and wave at him every once in a while. So uh, it was it was pretty awesome to have have that kind of attention. Had the same had a little bit of the same attention on Mary Hill uh, later in the day, but uh, it was pretty fun to have uh, to get a little helicopter spotlight. What about the rest of you guys? Uh, your uh, your opinions of uh, some of the stages out there that we've run now with the Golden Dale area? I. I get Mary Hill. I mean, it's just iconic. It's used in TV commercials for a reason. It's, uh, you know, yeah, you switch to the tarmac tires, uh, but not always. Actually, the first year, I think we did it with uh, everybody still having gravel tires on, we, right? Yeah, we tried it that way. Um, and one, one of the reasons for, for doing that is to try to try to level the playing field a little bit because not everybody can, can bring, um, you know, tarmac tires. Um, and also... Uh, it just makes it so you can run those stages without having a service before or after. Um, but um, yeah, the exciting thing about Mary Hill um, is that, you know, it's paved road, of course, but the fastest line is not necessarily staying on the paved road, but is cutting across the gravel. And that, that leaves gravel on the road for the cars behind. And in the first year we asked everybody, um, we said, Hey, just, um, <laughs> Don't cut, you know. It's going <laughs> right. to make a big mess. And yep. uh, Higgins was the first to tell me that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> Good <laughs> yeah, luck, we're, we're dead. There's no way for you to stop us from cutting. Sorry. And uh, so we just learned to get really good at cleaning up the road afterwards. But um, if you've ever been on that road after the rally runs, it uh, is correct. Major regretted running road just look like gravel. There's no asphalt to be seen, and it has to be all shoveled off or brushed off to get to get back down to the tarmac. So pretty, uh, pretty fun stage. I uh, haven't had the pleasure of racing up it, but um, it it certainly is exciting to watch. And I think it's quite interesting for the later cars who you know are on tarmac tires because not all the road is tarmac anymore. There's a significant part of gravel up there. That's what I was just going to say was by the time that we made our second pass, we were kind of regretting putting the, the tarmac slicks on because the stage was three quarters gravel. Right. 
And huge uh, thank you to our volunteers that the first year just went exactly. out and cleaned that oh, all God. up. Sandy and Mike and, yeah, when they were running it. <laughs> they were there until, what, was it one in the morning? Yeah, that was yeah. led it by the boys. Yeah, yeah. They, they, with leaf blowers and brooms and shovels and it was a huge effort to clean. And we got a little smarter after that, and but but it's still a lot of work to clean that stage. Yeah, I was going to say, luckily, the Clark uh, Empire loaned us a street sweeper after that. But gosh, what a mess we make when we uh, try to race on tarmac. <laughs> we don't even have to race on tarmac. I remember having to go and sweep an intersection on the transit where competitors were cutting and pulling gravel up on the road. One of the Ys out there... <laughs> And how upset they were about the amount of gravel that was on on the public roads and the well, I guess I'm not going to banquet. I guess I'm going to go sweep stages or transits, <laughs> literally so, sweep them with a broom. So I love uh, having Mary Hill be part of the rally. Um, I want to know what you guys think. I've always felt like we should make um, everybody race down it. That's just way too dangerous, right? <laughs> It's less scary to me than Dal's Mountain Down. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I think Speeds are they, a lot slower on it. Wasn't it uh, Michelle Mouton who uh, wanted to race down yep. Pikes Peak to yep. prove who yep. had the biggest balls? That is yep. correct. And I totally, I always, every time I go to a hill climb, say, I could get rally racers to race down this. And all the hill climb guys go, nah. But we would. I mean, we would do it. If that was what the schedule said, we would all do it and it would yep. be fine. That's because drivers just do what the co-drivers say and co-drivers just follow the book. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that would be a super fun challenge. This is I, rally. We we race on whatever is presented to us. That's right. It doesn't matter whether it's up or down, rain or shine, snowing or or flooding. It doesn't matter. We're the postal service of race. racing disciplines. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and and so all the people who are whining about it are a bunch of wimps, and they can go home. <laughs> Underfunded. Yeah. Uh, well, one of my favorites of uh, of Dal's or uh, going up uh, Mary Hill was uh, Derek Knight, I think it was in his Volvo, uh, super silly sideways every single corner going up that thing. Last year, I think it was Nate Tennis in the newer Volvo Turbo. I think it's a 940, whatever it is, uh, Volvo Turbo going up that thing. Also, just silly sideways. <laughs> right. Uh, and th those things are just fun to watch. Rear wheel drive on on Mary Hills, they're just the best to watch. So fun, yeah. I guess one thing, one other thing I was going to bring up of just the Goldendale stuff that comes to mind is um, the banquet stuff uh, at the finish there. One of my favorite memories of Travis Pastrana. Um, <laughs> I think that might have been the first year when we started doing these uh, these beer glasses, and he had won the rally in 2017, right? Yeah, 2017, the first year of ARA. So he had won it. And he got the nice wooden plaque thing, right, that, that we did for winning overall. And uh, then he comes, you know, he actually came out uh, with the rest of the, the regional folks who are getting their awards. And I think, like, you know, these, like, like I've got right here is one of these, you know, uh, pounders for uh, Oregon Trail for that year. And it was a third-place trophy, I think is what it was. Uh, Doug, you got the bigger, the Stein which I think was first place right. um, for, for a class. 
Anyway, yep. so so these smaller ones, um, and Travis Pastrana saw that trophy, and he traded for a third place <laughs> regional, his <laughs> first place overall trophy, because he thought the beer glass was more cool. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That was brilliant. That My was wife brilliant. has two of those big mugs. I have none. That was a great year. I got to shake David Higgins' hand and say, you know, I was rooting for the other guy all along. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so mean. Um, whatever. I have my opinions about things. You guys all know You're that allowed. I'm always right. You're and allowed. in that year, it just worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the glasses were a big hit because at the banquet one year, uh, Ryan Millen came up uh, afterwards and he had probably won a wooden plaque as well. And uh, he said, hey, can I get a, can I get a beer glass? <laughs> 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 we had a few extras, so I gave him. I gave him one. <laughs> so you know, those started as um, rally cross awards. That started in the rally cross program because, man, there you know was just we were running out of ideas. We had done all these other things. Uh, you know, dog tags were kind of fun, but it's like you have so many rally cross events, and you sort of get sick of having the same trophy or whatever. Yep. So. Yeah, that that idea started in Rallycross, and I I guarantee you, I was probably not the one that thought of it. Probably it was Elena, or uh, could have been Jacob. I mean, that was like, what a great idea! They're relatively cheap; you can put whatever you want on them, and then yeah, it's a great memento from the event that you can use that actually exactly. does something. Right. <laughs> Uh, any other fond uh, podium or uh, post-event memories that we're allowed to share? I, I still love the way that we did the seated draw with the dogs. That was Oh, me too. That, that was, was amazing. Great. That was brilliant. We I think Jordan came up have... with that, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, I, you know, that was Jordan's involvement. We got to bring in supporting that, that whole dog rescue situation, which just makes so much so much sense because all of us really are dog people you see a lot of people with their dog with their rally car um so yeah getting to bring the dogs in was great i i don't know how we're gonna ever do an event now without some sort of dog involvement how do you, how do you top that <laughs> it yeah. was so good it's gonna be tough well we certainly we certainly plan to we do just... that again this year with northwest animal companions they're the folks who brought the dogs uh, last year, and it's a gr they're a great uh, rescue operation, um, and uh, they were they're going to partner with us again for twenty, and I am fairly sure that, that we'll partner with them in twenty one, and hopefully we'll do the seated draw in a similar way. Cool thing about that is you're going to get different puppies every year, right? So the look on their face when the dogs came out, and we told them they had to pick a dog. That was <laughs> priceless. Very good. Uh, of course, Lee, you haven't had to uh, pick any dogs, but. Uh... Any uh, any interesting memories from uh, sticking around for the uh, the post event stuff, or um, have you had to pretty much kind of start packing it up and heading out? Yeah, unfortunately, I I rarely um, get to stick around for uh, for the awards, um, mainly because I'm in early and it gives me an hour uh, opportunity to get an hour or two down the road um, back home. I'm usually driving back to Sacramento um that that evening so um i usually miss the post post race stuff because 
I've been there all day and, and, uh, and, uh, it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, not that it isn't fun, uh, but it's a lot of work doing what we do. And, and as, uh, as all three of, you know, all four of, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into putting in on a rally. And, um, uh, I just, I'm very thankful to be, um, included at the Oregon trail event. But yeah, I uh, tend to uh, bug out fairly early while the traffic is light. Well, I must say one thing that I learned, especially from you at, uh, when I saw you at Tour de Forces last year is that uh, you got some serious good cooking going on at your trailer. So uh, (laughs) 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 you're not hurting at all. I can tell you that. Uh, We've been stepping it up ever since I moved into um, a service rig as as a motorhome about now three years ago. That's always, it really uh, helped out a lot. Um, yeah, we have my chili, and I've been uh, in the in the uh, COVID situation here. I've been practicing at home on making spaghetti, which is great rally food, um, and it's oh. easy to do in my instant pot. So, so um, that'll be um, the other stuff on my menu. Uh, you just gotta need, need to stop by when we're doing that. On my list. All right, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, I guess, uh, I, I, any last stories as we kind of wrap this up, uh, that folks want to just, I guess, share from either recent years or, or years gone by, just not necessarily of themselves, but of others that, uh, just really stand out from, uh, the Oregon Trail Rally. I will say, um, speaking of making people race downhill, uh, the one year we did tarmac downhill, not at Mary Hill, but some other road to sort of make the loop. John Hill just telling me, my car is really old. Do you know how old my car is? Do you know what kind of brakes my car has? I don't think that was going to work out. (laughs) And, uh, you know, in true John Hill fashion, he not only made the car, you know, go down the hill, he was super fast on tarmac. And, um, yeah, maybe he had old... uh, drum breaks or whatever but he was fine he totally he totally did just fine i think um generally what has been so great to me over the years is all the different people that have come and gone through the sport and we get to really meet some great people you know that have a positive attitude a can-do attitude you don't really survive and rally if you're you're quick to give up and so i mean it John is an example to me of someone that always super positive. I can think of lots of other people, but just, yeah, making you guys race down the hill didn't seem that bad, (laughs) but, uh, and it worked out. Luckily it worked out, but, um, yeah, I remember John definitely, uh, throwing a little shit at me. (laughs) Like, what are you trying to make me do? Well, that stage was fine, except for the um, 90 left in the middle of the stage uh, when you're flat and fifth going into it. I, everybody made that, it around that turn. I don't, it seems uh, like it's fine. Oh, it was close. <laughs> yeah, trust me, Lee, that was the place that I was hanging out during the full running of that stage, just so I yeah. could see exactly how it went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their brakes were already warm by then. So, one of the things I'll always remember about uh, the Goldendale area is is the Oak Flat stage. It is a pretty good rally stage, but really the reason I remember it so well is because 
there's like 50 people that live along that stage. And uh, when we first when we first found that stage, I thought there's no way we're going to be able to get to the you know to run a rally down this road. You're going to have to get uh, you know buy-in, not not explicit permission, but at least at least buy-in from everybody that lives along the way. And Mike Nagel and I went door to door and we spoke to every nearly every house. There were a couple that uh, had big "Do Not Enter" signs, but nearly every uh, every resident along the way, by and large, uh, people were very welcoming to us and. I'm still amazed to this day that we get to race down that road. Uh, and, and in fact, a lot of the residents are you know, very welcoming. In fact, one of them uh, last uh, in 2019 invited our stage crew to have a, have a little barbecue at their house in between stage runnings. And uh, they had somebody playing some music there and they had a lot of food. And um, so I guess I just uh, remember, you know, how, how welcoming the, the folks in Goldendale are and, uh, very uh, impressed that we get to use that Oak Flat Road each year. I, I think it was Deer Run, maybe. I remember setting up O Control on one of the stages during Recce a few years ago, and I set up in somebody's driveway, and I specifically picked the spot because it was like right over a little rise or on the blind corner, and I'm like, this will be perfect. No one will be expecting me here. And I was trying to get the people's attention. No one seemed to be home. Okay, I'll set up here. I'm out of their way. He comes out and he is livid. What are you doing in my driveway? Blah, 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 blah. And I explain what I'm doing. And he's like, oh. Oh, well, you're with Rally? You want a, you want a beer? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, man. I'm, I'm, I'm on the clock right now. I'm good. But <laughs> Once he found out I was with the Rally, he was, he was A-OK. That's, that's the type of relationship we want with folks, for sure. We do win people over. Not all the time, but a lot of the time we do win people over in the end, for sure, yeah. I think it's all in how you present it, right? Instead of, um, you know, the, uh, we're going to close your road down, you know, for, you know, a couple hours uh, once a year. Uh, it's, we're going to have this event, bring your friends over, have a party in your in your front yard and watch it, you know, instead of, making it something that's a that's a deficiency make it into a, a positive and i think we've done a very good job of that uh when we went to goldendale and um and, and same thing with some of the folks uh on, like on, on boyd and some of those roads in dufer there they have that same kind of feeling to us and that makes a huge huge difference and you know offering kebabs and stuff uh to to zero you know that uh... <laughs> i'll take a stage side kebab any day if someone wants to offer me one i would not right? turn that down well, is there a favorite food stop, by the way? Uh, you know, for for you guys uh, when it comes to it comes to the rally, Kramer's Market. Kramer's sandwich. There you go. I, yeah, I agree. They they do amazing sandwiches there. I make it a point to send service crew over there if oh. I'm competing, and if I'm not competing, I definitely go over and get sandwiches for the weekend. And be remiss to not uh, note Pete's Pizza in Goldendale as well, where we had our after party. Uh, they worked really hard. Mid rally party last year. They worked their butts day. off. Yeah, that was that was pretty yeah. cool. I thought that was pretty fun. I really did enjoy that. And it was so nice of them to make that space available for us and, and try. So, I mean, we just uh, hit a place, you know, with so many people at once. I think every time we plan an event, we explain it and an event, you know, like ours is hard for someone to really understand until they see it. Like we're going to have a hundred people here 
and they all show up right on time. I promise. <laughs> they, they're used to the whole like, um, oh, there's gonna be a hundred people at that party, and like thirty-seven show up. And no, no, no we, right. we we're giving you an accurate count, and they will be here on time. <laughs> <laughs> they are forced to be here. They will arrive in one-minute intervals. Get ready. <laughs> Which um, I was remembering earlier, back when we had the double mountain parties, and uh, oh, you know, yeah. similar. Doug has a good story I, from one of those. Yes, he does. Actually, that uh, I think it was in your role story that reminded me of that. I'm not sure why, but um, yeah, uh, the double mountain parties were very fun. Very fun. Yeah, just briefly, uh, since you brought it up, Dylan, I. I have been trying to forget about this story, but uh, <laughs> Sorry. we had the road closed and a local uh, decided, who I'm pretty sure it had a couple to drink, uh, decided that uh, he saw a nice parking spot inside the closed section. And um, I happened to be right there and I asked him not to park there because uh, you know, it would probably not be very safe with a lot of rally cars moving around and stuff. And he, uh, he didn't agree. And uh, Decided to try to park there anyway, and in the process ran into somebody's rally car. And um, yeah, I think he had a had a little discussion with the police a little later that night. Mm. That was kind of exciting. <laughs> didn't didn't this involve you like going through someone's window? Yeah, I was trying to uh, trying to get him to stop, and so I I remember uh, leaning in and trying to uh, either grab his keys or or pull up on the e brake. Which probably wasn't one of my finest moments, especially because it didn't work. I'm sure it made sense at the time. It made sense at the, the time. Of the moment. Yes. Doug was the hero. <laughs> he tried. So hindsight, hindsight produces great clarity, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, one thing that uh, I've really enjoyed is just seeing the consistent upward curve for Oregon Trail Rally, um, from spectators to uh, the way the event's been run to, uh, you know, our, we've got such amazing volunteers. We've got uh, such amazing support um, from sponsors, from always having uh, Team Fagawi doing such a good job to, uh, you know, all of our competitors, the numbers keep going up. It's just, it, it just becomes a bigger and bigger event each year. And it, it's just phenomenal. And I'm really missing it this year. Um, it, it really pulled on the heartstrings when, you know, oh, I'm working on Monday. I'm not taking the whole week off. <sighs> you know, and even though, you know, some of the more menial things I do, like getting all the stage boxes together and stuff like that, it, it's it's work. I mean, what we do as volunteers, it's work. But I love it at the same time. And, you know, not having to be out there at PIR on, you know, Friday morning or, or Friday afternoon and, and, and get things set up and... Yeah, it pained me, but again, I, I'm excited for next year. I think we can just put that much more energy into the next one, and it's going to be bigger and better than ever. I hope so. I'm looking forward yeah, to is, it. It is definitely tough having to um, have all these rallies cancel, reschedule, have all these events in our lives you know, be changed, but um, we'll be out there racing again soon. You know, it's, it's not really, we'll look back and we'll be like, Oh, that wasn't even that long. It's just in the waiting that it's, it feels so painful, but to give up a little bit of rally for a couple months, I think it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, in the end, we are so lucky that we get to go do all this racing and we have so much support and it, it really, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to just take a second and sort of be grateful for all those things that we get to go do 
really, this is just like a, a silly hobby, right? For all of us. <laughs> it's not like a job. It's not, um, you know, so we're so lucky that we get to race in the first place. So not putting any extra stress on any of the communities that we normally race in, I think is a fair trade off to, to wait a little while, wait a year, whatever we have to do. And I know every kind of racing is facing this same kind of question, you know, all around. So yeah, at least we have this, at least we can all talk about it (laughs) check in (laughs) with each other, you know, and, and, uh, just keep supporting each other until we get to be racing again. That's right. Well, thank you all for uh, taking the time to be on the rally cast and, and talk about your memories of Oregon trail. Uh, like I said, 2021, it's just going to be bigger, better than ever. We'll put all our energy into that. Uh, can't wait to just see cars in the woods again, again for, uh, we got Dylan hooker, Doug Herodes, Rebecca Rustin and Lee Sorensen. Thank you all for being on the show. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Have a good night. And I uh, hope we're rallying again soon. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Well, thank you for listening to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. And remember, if you like what we're doing, it's a big help if you give us a like, a follow, give us a good rating on iTunes, whatever platform you listen on. That really does help us out a lot. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Stay healthy and stay safe. And of course, keep a shiny side up. Mm-hmm.